If you ever wanted to start your own podcast, if you ever had a thought in your head and you just felt the entire world needed an opportunity to hear your thoughts and all that kind of great stuff, well, if so, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor Podcasting. It is the easiest platform I have found to make a podcast. They have editing tools, episode creation tools. There's even a green room function. Check it all out. On top of that, they even distribute the whole thing for you for free. The entire thing is free. You can get onto Apple Podcasts. You can get onto Spotify Podcasts, which are, you know, the two that I find get the most traction. Then you get Stitcher and all kinds of other stuff, Blackbox, Whatbox, and all the other boxes that I'm not familiar with. If you are interested in making your own podcast right now, download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome back to the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. It's me, OJ. Hi. In this episode, Keithy chats with the mastermind behind the Lost Tribes of the Moon, John Lidke. Their new album, Chapter 2, Tales of Strife, Destiny, and Despair, is out now on their band camp. Now that's a pretty metal title. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes in John Litke of Lost Tribes of the Moon. How are you doing today, John? Doing great, Keith. Thanks for having me. I am so stoked to talk to you. Uh, you have a killer new album out with your project, Chapter 2, St- Tales of Strife, Destiny, and Despair. I want to make sure I got it right. And. Wait. uh you know, continuing forth uh, from the previous album, which was released in 2018, self-titled. And yeah, man, lots to unpack and talk about. First and foremost, I hope you are well, your family, your collaborators, their families, everybody's okay, because this is just a crazy time in the world. It sure is. And, um, you know, compared to the way the world was when we started making this album, it was definitely a different kind of crazy to where now we've kind of progressed past that part of it, but we're still dealing with certain, you know, issues with, with that kind of crazy. And then in that time, a whole new breed of crazy just kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of, you know, in case anybody got bored, um, the craziness just kind of kept, kind of kept coming in its own way. So uh, all things aside and, you know, major world issues aside, uh, we're all doing good. Um, we're all happy to, you know, we're happy and grateful to uh, be able to, you know, kind of return back to more of our lives the way we knew it, um, specifically, you know, as musicians, being able to, like, get in a rehearsal space again and, you know, to be able to do things like perform concerts and whatnot. Those were concepts that were just like very you know very unsure of you know like a year and a half ago and to be able to be like on the other side of it now um it feels good and like i said i'm just like very grateful to have gotten to this point where you know the band was able to um carry on through all the you know sheer insanity of 2020 and 2021 and get the album out and then also to be able to um, assemble uh, an augmented lineup for performing this really dense material live. Because when I was making this album, I was highly uncertain of the future of this band's existence, um, much less like how we were going to exist as like, you know, a society and whatnot. So now to be in this, you know, phase of it where it's like, Hey, the album is out now. 
I have a great lineup of some very talented uh, musician friends, and we're we're very much excited for some shows we have coming up in the next couple months. So, long answer short, we're doing very good. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear this. And yeah, this, you know, springs forth a bunch of other uh, branch questions for me. I know this is basically your solo project, your band you lead. You have many other projects you've worked in, worked on. I had to have been bizarre to not play live for a few years or barely play live if you were able to do anything. Um, You know, I often say for extreme and underground music, live streaming is you just don't get that same crowd reaction. You just don't get that same vibe in a room that you do to your camera and nothing (laughs) so yeah no there's a little bit of an attachment there and as far as any like just you know isolated live stream performances go i was only able to do one um and that was i actually am in charge of organizing and i also perform in a headlining band for a Frank Zappa tribute concert that we do here every year in Milwaukee. And it's called Zappa Fest. It's been going on for over 20 years. It's the longest running one in America. Second only to uh, the one called Zappa Nelle in, uh, in Germany. But during that specific time, it was like late 2020. And there certainly was not uh, any ability to perform out. It obviously was not safe to do that. Luckily, we were able to do a live stream in town. And it felt good. It definitely was better than the alternative of not playing any shows, but we all kind of felt like there certainly is an element missing without like an audience and performing music live is one of my favorite like things to do as a musician. To me, it's a very cathartic thing. Um, I just love, I just love, you know, performing and being in, uh, you know, an atmosphere with other people and kind of feeding off that energy back and forth. So yeah, it was it was kind of a long, low, long, cold, lonely uh, winter, and then some to get through all that time. And um, yeah, you know, like I've I've been performing out live again uh, for you know almost the last year and whatnot. So it's been kind of a slow build up back to like my normal crazy schedule, of, you know, performing you know, like every week or every other week or something like that. So again, we're making, we're making progress and it's, it's a good feeling. Awesome. I know the Midwest was hit kind of hard with closures of bars and venues. How's your local scene holding up? Is there still like live music back again or is it sporadic and then, you know, spread out? I think up until very recently, it was sporadic and spread out. Um, There were a couple um, well-known venues that unfortunately just had to close their doors. Um, But luckily, one or two other places popped up in their place and the other spots that survived, you know, the pandemic and all those kinds of things were able to keep their doors open. Um, But it was very um here and there as far as like anything local or anything uh of a national act coming this way and now just in the last you know few months it kind of feels like things are kind of very much getting back to that kind of state of normal um you know just to give a, a reference of like what's going on recently in milwaukee well you know tonight i hate god's playing on the other side of town and you know that's always a good thing if I hate gods in your town, mm. uh, at least if you're a fan. Um, and 
a friend of mine named Randy Kastner, he's a promoter here in Milwaukee. He did a three-day festival here just this past weekend. He calls it Blades of Steel. And he had um, some acts like DRI and um, an old, like, old-school like thrash band from California called Defiance. Sure. And oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. I would oh, go to that. Yeah, it was, it, <laughs> it, it was mostly like old school traditional metal and like thrash kind of stuff. Uh, the band Savage Master played. They're, nice. they're good friends of ours. We played with them once. Uh, a lot of things like that. So that that was very exciting. It definitely made for uh, a busy weekend here in Milwaukee. And um, so things are, are definitely moving forward. There are shows happening. And uh, we're stoked about that, but you're, you're definitely right. We, you know, the Midwest definitely took a hit every place did in their own way. Um, but you know, here in the Midwest where it's, it's a bit colder, a little bit longer, you know, it just felt like it took longer for certain things to kind of get out of a certain, um, you know, spot where things just were not still, still not safe. And finally kind of getting back to that, place where we kind of feel like hey this is kind of more of a normal uh schedule of of bands and things happening so we survived i mean obviously like i said took a couple hits but fortunately a lot of places are still around and fortunately um enough bands stuck around too although some bands definitely in that time too which i completely understand kind of just they lost their steam they lost more, their momentum i think for a lot of bands like a lot of bands just don't know how to stop and if something like forces them to stop it's almost near impossible to like get the engine running again some in some situations and you know when it came to this band i was very unsure uh of there was going to be any continuation of it and luckily as like the weeks and months unfolded and everything um you know quite the opposite happened to where now it's like i have like an all-star lineup of local friends helping out with this band and it's it's a great thing Nice. Uh, kicking it back for a second to your earlier answer, I'm not surprised to hear you say you were a fan of Zappa because some of your music has kind of like the wild expressionist Zappa vibes, not as jazzy, but, you know, definitely as, you know, chaotic normal. <laughs> and uh, I grew up a huge Zappa fan. Hopefully you have seen the excellent Alex Winter Zappa biography film documentary. Yeah and a uh, huge fan of Alex Winter and uh, glad that he did that. He is a massive fan and uh, Frank deserves a lot more credit. Who are some of your other, I imagine Frank's a hero, who are some of your other early heroes? Because I, I take, I feel like strings, you play a lot of instruments, but stringed instruments are probably your calling card. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, you know, guitar is what got me into the, the world of uh of playing music and everything like that. And, you know, growing up, I'm, you know, it's to kind of, uh, give a reference to like, you know, the era I grew up and I'm, I'm 40 years old. So I kind of came up in that time where, um, you know, grunge was very popular. Um, also like, you know, the early, uh, the early formations of like death metal and everything like that. And I grew up, you know, with MTV and all that kind of stuff too. So, I think, you know, all those scenes were kind of going on and I was kind of just like, you know, whatever kind of stood out to me or whatever kind of gained my attention, I kind of gravitated towards. And, you know, like if I'm thinking back to like, you know, sixth grade, I remember, you know, being very much uh, early on into, you know, grunge, um, especially bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. 
bands that I never stopped liking or stopped appreciating. And maybe there were times where, you know, maybe I was just like, you know, up to my up to my neck with, you know, extreme music, death metal, black metal, grindcore, whatever. Those bands never, never left my my wheelhouse of like interest or, or influence and whatnot. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, grunge bands that kind of hit me at first, um, you know, and then it was it was very quickly into like uh, things like thrash and whatnot. Um, obviously, the big bands, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, the big four, like those bands were all like kind of still they were kind of pretty much at their peak at that time. So they were, you know, they were like the next they were the next video up after like the Nirvana video or whatever. So it was all that was all kind of right there. And I, I gravitated to a lot of that stuff pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so like kind of getting, uh, you know, introduced to like grunge and finding like the ability to kind of grasp onto like what they were doing as far as trying to play guitar with that kind of helped. And then as I kind of got my chops up, you know, bands like Slayer and uh, Megadeth and whatnot, like that kind of was like the next step, like, all right, let's make this, see if I can play this faster and see if I can play these more kind of complicated, uh, song structures so that's kind of where like the beginning of a lot of my influence came from and then i was always also into like classic rock you know like i was always very much into like you know bands like queen and and rush rush is you know probably my favorite like band um they they have a very um big influence on me you know musically for sure and also just in terms of like how they went about their business you know like rush was a band that was you know in my opinion very kind of self-indulgent um they started putting you know concept records out and it wasn't really generating a lot of sales and they were you know as any rush fan kind of knows the story like they were on the verge of like being dropped by their label they weren't like selling very well with caressa steel and instead of like going in the opposite direction they just doubled down and made 2112 which you know almost kind of seems like a stubborn reaction and yet look how it paid off for them so like that was i've, I've always been influenced by like you know a band like that that's like you know stick to what you want to do don't necessarily listen to like what labels are telling you or like what the critics are telling you like listen listen to your listen to yourself and you know hopefully if you stick around long enough and just keep you know playing your heart out and showing that it does pay off eventually and i think in terms of like the down we just kind of put out uh hopefully that will kind of ring true as well where you know it's a very kind of i started this band very like self-indulgently and because of those kinds of bands that i listened to and and whatnot and I feel like most of the decisions I've made for this band have been of that kind of like self-indulgent kind of side of things as opposed to being like, well, what do I think is going to get me signed? Or what do I think is going to be like, you know, going to win a lot of people over and whatnot? Um, you know, I've kind of always just tried to go by my own, like, you know, feelings and instincts as opposed to like any kind of outside opinions and whatnot. So I've always been influenced by, by bands like that. I've, I uh, was always into a lot of, like I said, classic rock stuff. Loved Jimi Hendrix, Robin Trower, a lot of old school stuff like that, you know. And then as I kind of went on from like the thrash, uh, you know, upbringings and starting out of like my career of playing metal, 
I quickly made that jump to like death metal. You know, I went to, you know, bands like Cannibal Corpse and DSI and Suffocation. And, and then I actually made a pretty quick turn to like even more underground stuff like, like grindcore and whatnot. So some of my earliest bands were kind of more in the extreme metal uh, category and, um, that kind of really kind of started me off on like, I guess a blazing path in terms of like, you know, just like tempo and like, um, technicality. And then I kind of took a step back and went almost kind of back in like, uh, an opposite direction, kind of like, you know, I mean, anybody who's anybody who likes, um, doom or anything like that on any kind of level obviously likes black sabbath even if they only like certain albums by them but like i always liked black sabbath that kind of made me kind of go back to like them and as well as like bands that were doing that stuff around that time but maybe just not as well known and really starting to get in that kind of stuff so i i kind of had uh, a big doom influence kind of in my like early to mid 20s and i just kind of always kept moving around musically and even when i was not doing that as much anymore i was still listening to those kinds of things quite a lot and then in 2015 i started um like the i guess the the kind of the concept of lost tribes of the moon and i was trying to at that point i was kind of towards the end of my last tenure playing in like death metal and like black metal bands and i was kind of like you know, I think I'm kind of burnt out on this stuff again. And I really kind of want to get back to some of my roots and kind of establish some of those kinds of influences that I can't really express or quite convey properly in those other kind of extreme bands. So this was this band was kind of a vehicle to um, kind of harken hark back to my old influences of bands like Rush, Black Sabbath, you know, even like Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that and kind of apply that. Um, and as well as um, bands like the old Scorpions with Uli Roth, love, 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 love that era of the band. Uli Roth is definitely one of my favorite guitar players. Also, Michael Schenker with UFO and even his solo stuff, you know, to kind of like stop right there. I've always had lots of different influences and it. It started off, like I said, with like what was popular during my time growing up, which seemed to be like grunge, thrash, and then like death metal. And then in the years since, I've kind of went, you know, current and then way back. And I'm always searching for music from from yesterday because there's like so much music that's come out that it just didn't necessarily gets uh, advertised as well or just as well known. And it's, it's, it always seems to be great music from yesterday, just hiding under a rock or around a corner. You just got to find like the right, uh, the right YouTube channel or the right, uh, you know, the right podcast where people kind of point out these like, these, these great old bands that like you probably should have known as well as a Black Sabbath, but just didn't have as much success or proper management and whatnot. So sounds good yeah makes a lot of sense i also wanted to say that the difference between the two albums is obviously you live your life and things happen and you change lineups and you write new music and you add guests but this new album has like a very cinematic feel like very well like composed almost like the soundtrack to a missing movie like jodorowsky should have made this movie of this album someone will get that reference hopefully you but i don't know anybody else will but 
work. Holy Mountain, El Topo. Yeah. 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 What should have been Dune. And I love Lynch, but, you know, still. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And so, like, a little more, you know, like, um, I don't want to say full-fledged, but a little more of, like, diving into this concept, sort of concepts. And I think that, along with all the extra instrumentation, Julie's voice has made this new record, like, this very vast-feeling thing, much more so than the first record, which was also really good, but, like, a little more direct and to the point, brutal and heavy. And this album's sort of uh, a little more spacious, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate those kind words. And I also feel like uh, your like perception of uh, both albums, like I feel is very spot on. So like, you know, when I started the band, I had some very grand concepts, but I also felt like it made more sense to me to kind of like start from a more like kind of like focalized, like kind of like centered kind of sound. And then as time went on, expand more and more out. So like the things that I did on this uh, new album are things I definitely had in mind when I was like coming up with, you know, the concept for the band. But I also knew that like, I kind of wanted to start a little bit more, you know, basic. And then as time went on, like augment, expand and and go from there. And I kind of felt like that was the right way to do it as opposed to just like kind of come out brand new with like, you know, like tons of like synthesizers and extra instrumentation and whatnot like that, you know, like on the first album, um, I wanted the album to sound very close to like how we sounded live and live, you know, we were a four piece unit and we didn't have any, you know, it was just guitar, bass, drums, vocals. So I wanted to have it as close to that as possible while still kind of taking you know, advantage of some like, you know, studio liberties. Um, But there was like a decisive point when making the first album where, you know, I started adding like a little bit of synthesizer here and there. And I was like, okay, I can either just go full in with this or just kind of make it like, you know, complimentary and like just kind of here and there as opposed to like making it this dominant like presence. And then obviously like as time went on, that became more of like a conscious thought to be like, I really want these kind of instruments and things now to kind of be more prominent and whatnot. Um, with our first lineup on the, on the first album, you know, I feel like that material suited us pretty well. And I kind of even took the, the feel and kind of the, I guess, like how I perceived um, the lineup and kind of use that as some inspiration to write this new material. And funny enough, you know, like the, the lineup ended up recording this album, like it was almost, a, it was at least 50% of a newer lineup, you know, um, same drummer, but different vocalist, different bassist. And so it's kind of interesting when you, when you write something for a certain kind of lineup and then that lineup like changes half of its personnel so you get a little bit of a different result, but to be honest, I really feel like the the new lineup was a little more prepared to take on this new material and kind of um, give it its like full potential because, you know, I have some really, I'm very lucky to have some very good friends here in Milwaukee. Um, my friend, Julie, who is the singer now in the band, um, she joined the band actually right before the pandemic started. We had a gig lined up in Madison with some friends, a local band called Tubal Kane, and they were doing an album release show and they, they want us to play. And at that time, I did not have a singer. 
And so I asked if she would be interested in like, you know, jumping on board for the show. And there was nothing really more in terms of like, you know, expectancy or, you know, whatever. And we did the show and it was really fun. And she really enjoyed it. And she said, Hey, please keep me in consideration. If like you're going forward with this band and everything. And when it came time to start tracking the album, putting things together, I said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? Because I would love for you to be a part of it. Julie was actually, I went to college for music in my late twenties and Julie was my vocal and piano teacher. Um, and just because like, you know, I went later in my life, you know, our age difference wasn't, you know, as much as like, you know, someone coming right out of high school or something. So we actually had a lot of mutual friends and, you know, we actually had shared the stage before playing gigs and whatnot. So, you know, she, she already felt more like a friend than a teacher per se. Um, but she's like, you know, a consummate professional and, you know, I, I just, think the world of her in terms of like her abilities and how she um, approaches her craft and everything. So when I had her on board, I knew that like this album was going to really take on that kind of, you know, that grand scale with vocals because she's very good at, uh, she's very good at lyrics and she's very good at just, um, you know, analyzing things. Obviously she's, you know, like I said, a voice teacher and whatnot. So when I had her on board, I knew things were going to be, really good in that department. And then as far as like bass goes, a friend of mine named Chris Ortiz, who is the the bassist on the album and, and currently was also like one of those people that I knew in town forever, was one of my favorite bassists in, in town. We had never played in any kind of band together, but I always admired his playing and was just like, man, I would love to find an excuse to, you know, work with this guy. And when it came time to track the album, I asked if he'd be willing to jump on board and he was, he, he was interested. And then through the process, it became like a, Hey, yeah, and I'll stick around. Why not? This is, this is some really good music and I'm having fun. So let's, let's do this. And so having those two people on board really kind of bolstered and like really helped the way I was kind of pushing our sound, which is, as you kind of alluded to, like a cinematic kind of feel for it. And, um, I really tried to, you know, this album is very like pandemic influenced in terms of like when we made it and how I kind of went about it too, because we started tracking this album. I want to say, uh, early summer 2020 and, you know, nobody wants to really think back to those times, but that, you know, that obviously was a pretty, you know, still some pretty dire times. Uh, as far as like what we could do and what was like deemed like, you know, safe and, and whatnot. And, you know, kind of a weird, but maybe not surprising fun fact about this album is that like the core lineup, the four of us never were in the same room at once together <laughs> to track this album. And thankfully through like the advent of technology, we were able to re you know, rehearse it on our own in our own, you know, settings and whatnot and it it all obviously worked out but because of like you know the need to be isolated and whatnot um there wasn't really like an opportunity for like all of us to be together at once um so that was kind of a a crazy like never made a record like that don't know if i'll ever make a record like that again but i was happy with the results obviously 
And when it came, when it came to like the material and like I said, how I wanted to like kind of present it, I wanted to like just kind of double down with like the idea of like really putting a lot of like synthesizers on it. I play synths. I also play theremin and I also wanted to make that a little bit more of a a presence on the album. So I threw in theremin in spots that I didn't even necessarily think I was going to, you know, put it in, but I kind of thought like, let's just kind of, let's just go, let's just go full out here. You know, there was almost kind of like a, I don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow kind of thing. So let's just give it everything we got. You know, the time between releasing the first album and getting ready for the track, the, the new album was, you know, quite a bit of time. It was like two and a half, almost three years. So in that time I had a lot of music stockpiled. And as far as like compositions that were completed, this is all of them. And, you know, we definitely at one point were kind of thinking like, are we getting too far ahead with this? Is this like too much, you know? And my thought was like, you know, kind of keep that, that, that same, that same mindset of like, you know, do what, do what you feel uh, your musical heart tells you. And in terms of like, not knowing if this band was going to exist again, or if the world was really going to kind of, you know, continue to get worse or not get any better. I wanted to not leave anything laying on the shelf because I didn't want to have one of those kinds of situations where years, years later had been like, Oh yeah, I wish we would have finished that song, put it out because we didn't do anything after that. So a lot of, a lot of self-indulgence inspired by, like I said, my influences, but also very much by, by the pandemic. And so I think with all those kind of things in play, really kind of uh influenced like the overall sound and everything and you know i also wanted to have you know i wanted to have something that kind of you know musically just kept flowing from one thing to the other and i think that also obviously gives it a cinematic feel where like there's no dead space on the album and like you know if if that's something that you know somebody likes in terms of like hey i want to like I want this, I want, I want to listen to it now where it kind of plays out like a movie or something like that. Then, you know, this is, this should be the album for you then. Right on. And I'm glad you mentioned the theremin because uh, the theremin rules and you rule a theremin. So <laughs> awesome, awesomeness all around. John Lickey, man, so great to talk to you. Lost Tribes of the Moon, Chapter 2, Tales of Strife, Destiny and Despair is out now. Everybody should go check this out. We will link everything in the descriptions. And again, it has been awesome connecting with you and really getting to hear some in-depth intel on your story and your process and everything. I deeply appreciate it. And thanks for sharing your time with Ghost Cult. Oh, Keith, I really appreciate it, man. I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm happy to be in a position now where I can share this new album and shed some more light on it. And like, as I tell most people, you know, yeah, we could have tried to split this into two albums or we could have tried to milk the material, but hey, we wanted to give everything we could to our fans after waiting for so long. And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, treat this album like a book take it a few chapters at a time, a few tracks at a time and like, you know, take the time to absorb it because it's a very dense album. And if, you know, for some, for some reviewers who just don't have the patience or the time, I understand why it might almost come off like a burden, but for music lovers, I really feel like this is, you know, the album for you. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at ghostcultmag. Until the next time, peace. Peace.